Hello and welcome to another episode of Round the Kettle. And I'm back. I'm back because I'm just, I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to explode all over everyone all about Not All Diamonds and Rosé by Dave Quinn. So, before we get too far into this, fair warning, if you are not a Real Housewives in any way, shape, or form fan, this is not the episode for you. I'll see you next time I'm on. You're not going to enjoy this at all. If you are a Real Housewives fan, and I mean any Real Housewives franchise, I'm going to talk about every single one that is mentioned in this book. I have notes. I have thoughts. So if you are a fan, let's talk about this book. To start with, I want to give a little disclaimer of sorts about this book. I went into Not All Diamonds and Rosé, which is listed to be the um, like oral history of the real housewives. I went into this book knowing we're not going to get any major tea. We are not going to hear the real details. And you know why? Because this book was published by Andy and Bravo. So it's got their stamp of approval. So it means that what you're hearing lines up with what Bravo is saying. Because you know, a lot of times when the rumors fly about the real housewives, it's not accurate. It's just what a housewife is saying. Um, and, And the producers and such, they don't always comment on those, at least not publicly. So you don't really get the full picture. And this book, like, you do get quite a bit of, um, the full picture, but it's definitely not everything. You don't have all of the nitty gritty. We don't have, like, monetary, like, none of that stuff is in there. And the tea that you do get oftentimes is tea that has already been, like, speculated about some of the bigger scandals, you know, things that we all, if you are a fan of The Real Housewives, even more than just like a general viewer of the housewives, I would say either or. It's, it's stuff that we've already kind of talked over. And this is just either confirming or giving you a new insight into what we already have talked about. And I'll get into more specifics as we go through each um, franchise of the Real Housewives. And you'll see what I mean by that. But it is not by any means a tea tell all book. I also think it's important to note that um, the timeline of the book, like you're not, it was published like, okay, for example, I'm really into Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City right now because there are a lot of legal implications that are happening in those housewives. If you follow the Real Housewives, you very well are aware of the Erica Girardi, Tom Girardi situation that's happening right now. You're, if you follow Salt Lake City are available of the Jen Shaw situation, but the book does not talk about any of that because the book was already, I think, written and in its final stages when all of that sort of broke. So we don't get any of that, which is okay. Um, I feel like anything we would have gotten from those situations would be heavily crafted and edited due to the fact that they are legal situations. They can't comment on a lot of the stuff. They can't say one way or the other. So I think it's actually a good thing that we didn't get any of that. So 
with all of those, I don't know, I, I wouldn't call them disclaimers, but with all of that information out there, I think we should just get in to each franchise and talk about what I thought of it. Now, I have to say, I do have, you know, franchises that I follow more than others, franchises that I enjoy more than others. I've been watching Real Housewives. I want to say since probably, I think the third season of Orange County was when I first started tuning into the Real Housewives. Obviously, I went back and rewatched like the first and the second season. Um, and I definitely enjoy it. Um, I watch certain franchises more than others because of where they are. I, I don't really know how to phrase that. There are just certain franchises that I prefer to others. That's all there is to it. So the book starts where the franchises start with Real Housewives of Orange County. Now we get the timeline of how the Real Housewives of Orange can County, Candy, County came to be. We get the timeline of how they cast the first group of ladies. And I will say, um, real quickly, there are pictures throughout the book. There are, um, and you have pictures of all of the original cast of each franchise, which is super cool just to kind of see where it began. So Orange County, I think notably, probably one of the biggest scandals to come out of Orange County um, in the beginning, not in the beginning, but like the, kind of the biggest overarching one is the whole Brooks and Vicky situation. Um, I feel like we don't, we don't have a really clear answer. This book didn't really divulge anything new that we didn't really know or surmise from the show. And it doesn't give us an answer as to what, because obviously at this point, this is their story and they're sticking to it. And Vicky is sticking to her guns that she did not know anything. And you kind of either have to take that at face value or you don't. But that is by far the biggest scandal. We get to talk, we get to listen, we get to read. Um, Vicky talk about it, Shannon, Tamara, uh, Megan, like they all kind of chime in. I think Megan's in it. Let's see. <clears throat> Yeah, so you kind of get um, the interviews with the main players in that scandal, except for obviously Brooks is not in it. And you get to hear kind of from the producers and their side of things of it. Um, I'll be honest, the whole Brooks-Vicky scandal made me highly uh, sad and um, uncomfortable because you could tell it was always kind of off a little bit and it just it, it played out for far too long and with a lot of lines were crossed on both sides and it was just a very, you know, uncomfortable situation. There were a lot of those. I, ooh, yeah, we're going to talk all about that. Um, so that's kind of the big scandal from OC. They did talk a little bit about the Kelly, um, and Ireland fight and the Kelly, Shannon, Vicky, Tamra situation in Ireland where that big fight that we don't have good footage from because it's all recorded on a camera, a phone camera, um, they kind of break that down a little bit and show kind of what led up to the whole situation. And that was kind of nice to see because oftentimes with these big fights that are kind of in the moment, um, the footage is is oftentimes um, like choppy. And they did kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, if you take it all the way back to when Shannon um, 
first announced that she wanted a divorce from her first husband, second husband, second husband, Simon, the one who was on the show with her to begin with, when she announced that they actually talked about how that was still in the early days of Orange County before they had as many camera crews and producers as they ended up like integrating into it. And so when they filmed that scene, they had one producer with a camera in the car like there there was one cameraman there wasn't anybody else in the car and this whole situation is unfolding in real time and they're heading to the finale party for filming and when they get to the finale party they don't have time to talk about what just happened it it was very interesting to read it from that perspective because a lot of times with the fights as they unfold in real time you your camera crews are are your producers are trying to to film it but also trying to keep their distance and trying to and it just it explained a little bit to me at least as a viewer of Real Housewives why and how the behind the scenes of these fights often work so that was my takeaway of Real Housewives of Orange County I don't really feel I don't know I I have kind of walked away from Real Housewives of Orange County because I feel like it's become a little sad. Um, I love the ladies and I will always hold respect for that franchise because it really started the whole situation, but it really has just, it's kind of sad to watch anymore. And that makes me sad. So then we jump over to the second, um, franchise. This is when it, they hadn't quite determined it was going to be a franchise yet, but that's Real Housewives of New York. At the time, and, and they talk about this in the book, they hadn't intended for Real Housewives to become the franchise that it was. They were intrigued by the idea of Real Housewives of Orange County and was wondering were wondering if they could like replicate it somewhere else, but not as a Real Housewives show, as New York was intended as like a Manhattan ladies kind of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a Real Housewives. And the, the initial filming, you'll find this too, if you read the book and you enjoy the Real Housewives um, you'll find that a lot of the franchises were not initially, um, intended to be Real Housewives and they were not filmed as such. So that was interesting to, to know. Um, but Real Housewives of New York, I think the biggest takeaway for me was the Bethany versus Jill and Bethany versus Carol situation. Now, obviously, Carol and Jill are in the book. Bethany did not contribute to the book at all, which makes complete sense in my opinion. I don't see why she would. Um, and she's contributed on Twitter about said book. Everybody has at this point has chimed in one way or the other about it. Um, but I find it really interesting because I did. I liked Bethany. Frankel from New York City. I liked her for a long time. I love Jill Zarin. Obviously, like Jill and I are, you know, we're we're united over here. <laughs> I loved seeing this like loud Jewish Barbara Streisand type of woman on my screen. It was so cool to see that. Um, but that's beside the point. And I find it very interesting because they do kind of talk a little bit about the behind the scenes and what what kind of went down between them. Um, but again, like it started New York started to get to a point where it became uncomfortable. It became uncomfortable for drinking. You you know, as you get further into the series, the, the drinking ups the stake a lot. And while I have no problem with alcohol intake, it it just got to a level in New York City where it 
it was like what are what are we doing you know and and i the producers and the show it's mentioned in the book they recognize that too it got to this point where they were like we need to something's got to change like this is too much and now as we've seen this most recent season of real housewives of new york has plummeted um for lack of a better way of putting that so that was really my big takeaway from from Real Housewives of New York. I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts and opinions on it. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, they talked a little bit about the Aviva situation, which was interesting. I did not care for Aviva whatsoever, but they did talk a little bit about her leg throwing and how she really was like cast as, as more of a character um she played a character and that's why she didn't end up working out because she wasn't being herself yada 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 um you'll see I have a lot more notes later on you'll see when I like really started to like get annoyed but that was Real Housewives of New York um Real Housewives of Atlanta is when I started to get a little mad um because the big kind of the big scandal I feel like of Real Housewives of Atlanta was the Phaedra Portia Candy situation. And I have thoughts off of these interviews that these ladies did for this book. Oh my gosh. And here, here's my big hot take on the interviews for the Real Housewives of Atlanta as they related to the Phaedra Portia Candy situation. Are you ready? Are you ready for this hot take? Here it is. Some of these ladies did not think that Phaedra should have been fired. What? What? I apologize if I just burst your eardrums, but I was so mad reading that. You cannot, cannot give such a, like, defaming statement. Like, that, what Phaedra orchestrated, whether she did it or not, she kicked it off. Phaedra started this with Portia. It came out on the show. Like, they accused Candy of doing something so atrocious and disgusting. And then some ladies were like, I don't think she should have been fired for it. What? Make it make sense. Somebody make it make sense. Why that? Like, I am sorry. If that was the real world, you'd be, there would be other replications too. So why would there not be here? I was just like, honestly, that fired me up. And there's, you know, like I recognize that this stuff is on the television. Like it's not my personal life, but I was just so annoyed when I read that. I was, it, it shocked me um, that some of these women thought that. And that was like the real big moment, I feel like from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Sure, there was a lot of like these little minor things. There were, Atlanta has a lot of like, the hot takes like they have a lot of great like these one-liners that they drop that then go on to be moments later on in the you know in pop culture and it's great but um yeah that was my like real big takeaway from Atlanta that I was just so mad about and then we move over to Real Housewives of New Jersey now Real Housewives of New Jersey, I would say for a long time, was one of my favorites because you had, like, it melded together the, like, I don't know, glamour of New York City in a way with the, like, grittiness of Atlanta and the splash of just out there money spending of Orange County, um, 
and, and later on, you'll see an even better melding of that with Beverly Hills. But New Jersey still has the, like, grittiness and um, fighting um, that we all love. You know, it was kind of a meld between the, the three previous franchises, between OC, New York, and Atlanta, all live together in New Jersey. We get this great family dynamic. You know, no matter what season you look at of New Jersey, there's always some sort of family dynamic, which, you know, brings a different level to the show. You know, you're not just dealing with a group of friends, but you're dealing with family. And we all know the phrase, like, you can't choose your family. You know, there's blood over everything else, whatever else. Um, So I found, I always have been fascinated by New Jersey at times. It got to be a little too much, but at times it wasn't. Um, Specifically, the seasons with the twins, I didn't care for, to be honest. But um, some of my notes were, um, oh, okay, so I really liked how they talked about how Teresa lives in her own planet, and it just made me see that that confirmation, because you know, whenever you watch Teresa, you're kind of like, what are you, like, where are you? Are, do you live in this world? Like, what is this? And I love, like, Teresa is enjoyable to watch, but it was really nice to then read from so many different people that she really does. She really is just in her own little world, in her own little bubble, doing her own little thing. And, you know, there we go. Obviously, the Judy J's had their own um, legal scandal. I don't really think that we need to talk about it much. Like it happened. It's done. They've done their time. They've moved on from all of it. Um, but the fact that, um, they did mention that Teresa lives on her own planet and you hear that from multiple producers from like everybody that talks about Teresa, they talk about that. And that made me very happy. Um, I think something about, Real Housewives of New Jersey that made me uncomfortable was the entire second season when you have Danielle battling against everybody, but specifically Jacqueline Larita's daughter, who was a minor at the time. And there's this whole battle. And oh my God, was I uncomfortable watching that play out on my screen and then all over uncomfortable reading it in the book. It, it just felt very... A, it felt very unnecessary. Um, B, it felt like when when it actually came out, what happened that night? And she talks about how Danielle, and you take Danielle's words with a grain of salt, but she talks about how she was stabbed in the back with a fork before Jacqueline pulled her hair. And, but she chose to go after Jacqueline. The whole thing made me uncomfortable. The whole season was very uncomfortable to watch a grown woman going after a minor. Whatever is going on. It was just very uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. Very, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable reading it and then knowing all the facts. I now am even more like, what in the Sam heck is going on in this woman's brain? But that's beside the point, you know? Um... And then she came back. I I don't know. I'm not a Danielle fan. We this is this much is true. So that was Real Housewives of New Jersey. I don't really have too many thoughts on it because I feel like if anything, New Jersey is always very straightforward. Like the drama is very black and white. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of like underhanded. There's none of that. It's just very like straightforward in your base drama. And I feel like the book presents it that way. The 
housewives presented that way the producers are like this is what it is like you know there there's not really a whole lot of um behind the scenes or in the back room situations when it comes to jersey which is probably why i like it because i'm a very much like blunt this is what it is person so next um they briefly talk about real housewives of dc but in my honest opinion that was a non-starter from the get-go and they even talked about how they wanted to do it but they didn't think it would happen because it's dc nobody wants to air their business on a tv show um and then when they actually did end up doing it they got grifted by the people who broke into the white house basically during um a state dinner so there we go. That was DC. Nothing too special. I don't even know that they had any whites um, on it. Maybe they did. Maybe like one or two. <clears throat> no, they did not have any wives, actually. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my copy of the book as we talk about this, so I don't forget anything that I want to say. They did have one housewife, it looks like, um, and she added all of like... 10 quotes to the book so not much happening in dc on the housewives front so that that's that and i think that just is reflective of that season and then then we get to the mother load the real housewives of beverly hills i feel like the real housewives of beverly hills has become what the real housewives of oc was for a long time and that is really like the leading Real Housewives franchise. It's what everybody knows. Everybody recognizes the housewives on it. The drama is like always front and center of pop culture and reality TV. I feel like that is what um, it, it Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has become. Um, and to be honest, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills actually has quite a bit of scandals that were kind of unveiled, but not entirely unveiled. So we'll just jump straight into the, the things that I took away from the book. Um, the first being we finally learned what like the thing was that Brandy said about Adrian in like season two that got her in so much trouble and they had to take it off the show and like there's this awkward dinner moment when she says it to everybody and it's all quiet and then the TV show goes quiet so you can't hear what she's saying but then you hear everybody's reaction to it and it was this whole thing of like what are you talking about? I didn't know and still had not known what it was. I think partly because... I, I don't know if I cared. I cared, but I didn't care, if that makes sense. Um, and so we finally in the book learned what it was. I, I didn't really, like, I get why she didn't want it shared. I get why Adrian wanted to keep it quiet and whatever. Like, I get it. I will say, um... The one thing that really bothers me about Beverly Hills, now I love Beverly Hills, it's one of my favorites, but the thing that really bothers me is all these girls talk about like being produced by like castmates and like, oh, such and such is like trying to produce a situation and da da da, but they're still all friends. Like, and I get being friends with people and I, I get being, um, 
like friends beyond the show. I don't even know what I'm trying to say in this. It just really bothers me because you're sitting there saying, well, this person's trying to produce a situation about me that doesn't look great and I'm trying to do this and they're using me. Um, like Teddy specifically talked about being used by another castmate, but she's still friends with said castmate. And like, maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a real housewife. I would never want to be a real housewife. I don't want to be on the show. I like watching it on my TV. I like reading about it in pop culture. I like listening to podcasts and that's it. That's where I draw the line. I don't want to be in it. So maybe my opinion is, you know, worth a grain of salt. I don't, but I could never understand that. And it seems like Beverly Hills is really known for that where there's a lot of like people producing like real ho- like housewives themselves producing on the show and yet still being friends with these people that they're trying to get use these situations in ways to make the show go further I don't know maybe they're all just one big you know family and they're okay with with this kind of situation because it's for the show and they want the best show ever I don't know maybe so Moving on from that, the uncomfortable moment, because I feel like a lot of, I get, a couple of these have, like, really uncomfortable moments, but the uncomfortable moment from Beverly Hills is obviously the Munchausens with Yolanda and Lisa and Lisa and Kyle, like, everybody with the Munchausens thing. We still don't, like, I have no idea how it even, like, got brought up into things. They tried to explain it in a way that, like, didn't do anything, and... The whole thing was just uncomfortable. And again, uncomfortable reading about because you're accusing somebody of of lying and that Munchausen's is a very real, very serious thing. And that whole situation was just very uncomfortable. Um, And, you know, I was feeling some type of way, to be honest, about Lisa Rinna. And the book kind of in a way just solidified how you know what my opinion is on Lisa Rinna like I thought that she was just a drama stirrer upper person um but now I kind of think she's still a drama stirrer upper person but she's a drama stirrer upper person for whoever the queen bee of the show is at times and I feel like that's why she hasn't gone after Erica Jane on this season of Beverly Hills because Erica Jane is like the lead like powerful lady even though she's not but you know I don't want to say too much about all of that but um yeah I just don't know um one final thing one final thing that bothers me about Beverly Hills the ladies all are just really really obsessed with you have to be authentic. You have to speak the truth. You have to live your real life. And they're so like overly obsessed with with this whole idea of like you have to be authentic. But then they're still trying to produce and like manufacture these scenes. And I honestly feel like we've seen it more and more as the seasons go on of this like obsession with like we have to have the truth. We have to be authentic. And part of that is is lisa rinna she is like overly obsessed with finding the truth and getting to the bottom of things and that's great i just it's so obsessive on the whole show and the whole cast of housewives but they're also still trying to produce and manufacture these scenes so they get a good show like the housewives i'm not even talking about like the producers the housewives themselves are producing these scenes to try and get a good show. It's just very, it's it's a conflict in of itself. And it's an, not annoying to watch, but it's, 
I don't know, something I've been noting more and more of late. Um, okay, so moving on, they touched on Real Housewives of Miami. I never really cared about Real Housewives of Miami. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I have family and I've been to Miami too many times. I just don't care. Um, I know they're coming back. Great. I don't care. Um, Real Housewives of Potomac. I actually feel like in the Real Housewives of Potomac section, we got some actual answers and and maybe not tea, but like they answered some questions about the seasons that are actually like, like it was the first time that I felt like we actually got answers for scandals and stuff. I will say like the whole Candace Monique and now Candace Mia and Candace Ashley, like that, those situations make me uncomfortable. They make me even more uncomfortable to read about. I feel like I don't, I, I haven't really kept up too much with Real Housewives of Potomac um, in terms of scandal. I don't feel like they've had a lot of scandals, obviously, up until Candace came on the scene. Oh, I hate saying that because I don't, like, sometimes she doesn't bother me. Sometimes she does. I, I'm very meh about Real Housewives of Potomac. I like it. It's good television, but I'm not obsessed with it. So there you go. So I felt the same way about this section in the book. Um, just noting that I feel like we actually did get some answers to some of the scandals. And I liked that. Um, and finally, the book concludes with a show that I had such high hopes for. That was The Real Housewives of Dallas. I had such high hopes because, I mean, I grew up in Houston and, you know, Dallas is a stone throw away. And I was looking forward to really getting some of that good old Texas drama. And that did not happen. Well, it did, but it also didn't. Dallas was interesting. It was started as like a charity show. So these women who would attend and be part of charities and you would go to charity galas. And that was the start. That was how it was marketed as. And then... Um, towards the end of the first season, they changed it to a Real Housewives franchise. So the first season was notably dry um, and like etiquette heavy. So there, you know, which made it weird to watch as a viewer in so many ways because you just feel like you're seeing these women put down other women on their cast because they aren't acting the way that they feel they should be acting in a certain situation. And it was just very, like weird to watch um but I feel like where Dallas really flopped I mean aside from the racist nonsense that occurred in the last season where I feel like Dallas really flopped is a lot of the drama between the women's actually happened off camera um and the level of it was like, the level of the off-camera drama was super high, and the level of on-camera drama was just ridiculous and petty and just a fraction of what it could be. And I feel like that's where Dallas really lost me, is because you have all this off-camera drama and fighting happening, whereas on-camera, people are talking about, like, oh, so-and-so is so immature because they're talking about fart jokes. Like, that is so immature. Why are we here doing this? Oh, my God, they drink too much. Like... It was just so petty. Whereas, like, behind the scenes and off camera, there was a lot of real-life drama happening. Real-life fights. And I don't think that people wanted to actually put that on camera, which is 
totally fine and your prerogative, but then that does not make a good Real Housewives show. So I think that's where Dallas really um, flopped. Um, and that is it for Not All Diamonds and Rosé, the uh, inside story of the Real Housewives from the people who lived it and what's being touted as the definitive, I don't know if definitive is the right word, but oral history of the Real Housewives. I overall really loved this book, but as I said, I love Real Housewives. If you're not like more, I mean, I think a casual viewer probably wouldn't get much out of this book, but you might. I don't know. If you are a diehard Real Housewives fan, you probably already know most of what's in this book, but it's cool to have confirmation um, of what you believe in some instances. So that's it. Those are my thoughts on the book. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you are a Real Housewives fan, send me a message so we can chatty chat chat about all things Real Housewives. I don't have very many um, current folks in my life that actually like and watch The Real Housewives, so it would be cool to have um, some chats about it. And that is all for this week. I don't know if um, there will be an episode next week or if we're going to go back to bi-weekly. I don't know. This was kind of a one-off because I really like I said, wanted to talk about this book. So there we go. That is all I've got for you guys. Have a great day.